Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today we are talking with the beautiful and powerful Kiara Noel. Kiara and I were in a mastermind together, and we still are, where we have met online. And then in this past few months, we actually met in person. And as soon as we met, which you know is really common in the world of building an online business, you meet all these incredible women, but you don't actually get to meet them in person. So Kiara and I actually met in a coffee shop with another member of the mastermind and it was instant connection. I absolutely loved her energy and you could just feel it oozing out of her at really literally only 28 years old. She is creating a powerhouse of a business to impact so many other people. So as Kiara shares, she is a spiritual leader, visionary, coach, entrepreneur, and muse. And in other words, a muse is where mindfulness meets sexy. How beautiful is that? So Kiara is the host of what her retreats are called Heaven on Earth Homecoming. How do I sign up for that? So Heaven on Earth Homecoming. And it's really coming back to ourselves. So she has these retreats that are run twice this year and once is in Banff and once is in Kauai, which is probably one of my most favorite places on earth. And it is really a container. It's a transformational container for people to help them create massive change in those retreats so that when you are leaving, you actually have those tools that you can take with you to make that change in your life. So she dives in, talks about how she is providing and helping these beautiful souls with the changes that they are creating in their lives. And I just love it. I love the mission that she's on, how she's taken her story and now teaching people how to move forward and create massive change in their own lives with their own stories. And it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And as as you listen and you really tune in, if you are really craving something for yourself this year that is just for you, a container for you to create change and a retreat type style format, you want to look into her retreats and you want to listen to this episode because it is life-changing and it's so impactful for all of you to create change from being in this kind of environment and from this kind of beautiful, beautiful, stunning environment. So I hope you enjoy the show today. I know that you will. Thank you, Marsha. I'm really excited to be here. I'm just oh. excited to dive deep and unravel everything that we've been wanting to talk about. And now we're actually finally getting the chance to talk about it. I know we're actually just going to record this time and actually put it down <laughs> into a podcast format, aren't we? I love it. So if it's good with you, I'm going to ask you about five or six questions first so people can get to know who you are. Totally. Okay. Where are you from? Toronto. Born and raised in Toronto. Awesome. Toronto. Are you a reader? 
I am. I do, do I love to read. Book that has been impactful for you. Actually, it's funny you ask because I have it right here. Um, it's been impactful since I was 16 when I had my eating disorder, and it's called Desperately Seeking Self. Oh, I do not know that one. Desperately Seeking Self. Yeah. Okay. And it was actually by, it's by my, my therapist back in the time, Viola Fedor. She was, so I went to go see her during my recovery. Mm-hmm. This was the woman that really like changed my perspective and my life, which we'll dive into, but that's yeah. the one. Awesome. I love that that was right there because that's, that we'll go right back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a favorite quote or something, a mantra that you use that grounds you? Oof. Um, a lot. Um, but I would definitely say that the journey is the best part not the destination. It's not about the destination, isn't it? That is something we all get so stuck on and it's just not it. Yeah. It's not it. Um, Mentor. So then I can ask you, do you have a mentor who has impacted your life? Give me somebody you know, somebody you don't know. Um, So Gabrielle Bernstein was the one girl who, again, going through my eating disorder about 10 years ago was the one who really impacted my life from afar. I didn't even know her, but she made a huge impact on me. Um, so she's kind of like my home girl that doesn't even know she's my home girl. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I'll tell you about her in a second. Go ahead. Yeah. And then of course we have our mutual mentor, Sarah. So that's been a, a really beautiful relationship and unfolding. I actually knew her when we were in a course together with Preston Smiles. So stretch 22. So I've known Sarah for a, quite a while. That's so awesome. And I didn't even realize she had done work with Preston Smiles. And I, I mean, for anybody who's listening, I mean, Alexi Panos from Preston Smiles, you would have heard me mention Alexi's name on my podcast a number of times, because the reason I actually committed to doing my book was I was at a conference, Alexi was speaking. I threw my hand up without thinking because I can be impulsive. She pulled me up in front of everyone. And before I knew it, I committed to writing a book and I probably spent an hour talking with her and Preston after. I was so impressed. Like I was so, so impressed with how heartfelt and grounded and real they were. Yeah. Nothing but amazing things to say. They're both amazing people. Yeah. Great guy. He's kind of like an older brother figure to me. So I can see that. Yeah. I I absolutely can see that. Um, What lights you up? What drives you? Um, honestly, seeing people transform before my eyes. It's an inspiration to me to keep going. And there's nothing like it. Just seeing people crack open and actually step into who they are. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing, right? Is that some of the deep work that we do is really pushing people into some uncomfortable spots. But then when you all of a sudden you see them have that moment where they crack and it's open and you can see in their eyes what they see is possible. It's like beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Totally. And that's like, that's my whole journey with them is just when you see them go from that, what I call the humble surrender point into their full like freedom and liberation. You're like, Oh yes, there you are. <laughs> oh, I love your language and I love what you're saying. And I'm, there's no question I can hear. I mean that obviously Gabby Bernstein was somebody who was an early influence for you. I can hear it yeah. and I can see it. That totally makes sense. She was somebody who she was my first exposure to meditation and she was first mm. my first exposure in dealing with and talking about like really, openly sharing your story and that's like I went wait a minute like this is interesting how she's doing this and Mm -hmm. I just really started to embrace that feeling of what happens if I did speak more openly so I I 100% she's one of my first people who I would say influenced me yeah she's a she's a powerhouse oh absolute (laughs) powerhouse one of these times she's on my list that I will meet her in person too agreed yeah 
So you are spiritual leader, visionary coach, entrepreneur, and I mean, like really just a whole bunch of things that you offer to people. Um, you're 28 years old, which I, I think is blows my mind because I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. The reason I love it is for so many reasons, right? You can look at it and say, she's only 28. I look at it as at 20 years old, she's already creating a vision, like what it is that you want to do. You see what you want to do and you're doing that. And when you say in your notes to me about creating an empire, I just, I love that. So what does that mean to you? Like, what does that mean to you that you're creating? Um, I really think it's just a life on my own terms, a life that's authentic to me, a life that I get to live from my heart. And that's really exciting. And that I got to wake, wake up and know, wow, like there's a satisfaction in the fact that I've created this and I get to share my passion through my empire to other people. Um, and just show them that it's possible. Like I'm literally freshly 28, um, two years or two months into being 28. Um, and it's been such a desire of mine. I think the entrepreneurial mindset has always been there and I've really honored the visionary within me. Um, and that's happened since I was honestly, as far as I can remember, like even younger, like doing like little lemonade stands and trying to like sell some of my things and (laughs) just be like this little entrepreneur. Um, and then also, you know, as we go through my journey through this episode, um, one thing that really stuck to me is I've always understood and listened to my inner nudge. And I think that guiding light has been my saving grace through my whole life. Like it's kept me in alignment with who I am and what I want to offer and what I want to share. And I know so often we can ignore that, but that has been literally like the golden nugget for me. And because I listened to that inner nudge and I kept, you know, just one foot in front of the other, seeing the vision, but also listening to what's present right now, that's kept me going. And now I'm here um, Mm. talking to you. And so that's, yeah, I would say that was like my turning point, but it happened when I was probably like 12 or 13. And I'm just like, I'm not meant to be in a nine to five. I'm not meant to be, you know, working for somebody else. I'm, there's way too many things going on within me and I'm way too free spirited <laughs> to put a cap on this. So I need to figure out how to make this work for me. I just, and I mean, to even think like that at that age is just, it's, it is incredible, but I, I do know, like I can think of so many people that I know who had those moments when they were younger mm-hmm. saying, this is not how I'm going to do it. This is, I want to create something different. I don't know what it's going to look like. And I mean, I always had visions that I would write a book. I always had visions that I would speak and help people. I just didn't know what the topic was going to be up. Mm -hmm. until life presented me with what the topic was. And Mm -hmm. so it's like I had a gut feeling what it was going to be, but I obviously obviously had no idea until until you go through it. So sometimes we don't know what it is, but we have that nudge feeling. So why do you think people, we're just about to dive into your story, but I just want to, before I don't forget this, why do you think people don't listen to that nudge? Why do you think they dismiss it? Um, my main kind of observation would literally be because they're too afraid of being different. They're too afraid of not fitting into the, you know, the status quo or the norm. And I mean, I get that. I see that. And I understand that. And I really, um, like I empathize and with people who don't choose that and kind of ignore the nudge. Um, because I was surrounded by people who, you know, they listen to, well, my parents want me to do this or society says I should do this. Or, you know, the fear is so instilled in them that if they don't choose this, they're going to end up alone or they're going to end up broke or they're going to end up homeless or whatever it may be. Um, so it's like, it's interesting because they're actually acting upon fear, right. Of staying 
within the status quo. And yet the very thing that's going to set them free is a thing that they're ignoring. Um, and <laughs> it's so I, funny. It's so true though. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, just the last point to touch on that is growing up, I kind of always saw myself like whether it was in my family or with friends or whatever, like I was always the, what people would probably call the rebellious one. Like I was not afraid to speak up. I was not afraid to share my mind. And even though it probably wasn't helpful in all situations. Um, it definitely helped me stay my path because if people said, you know, oh, you shouldn't do this or you can't, and it was, it was kind of like, well, watch me, <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah. I, right. And it wasn't in a, like a, it wasn't in like a malicious way, but it was more no. of like, that gave me such an inspiration to be like, well, this really feels right for me and I need to own this and I need to understand who I am. So for most people not honoring themselves, they're like, okay, I'm not going to honor myself. And that's, what's right. And for me, it was like, I'm honoring myself. So I'm just going to continue to do that. Mm-hmm. Those are that is so powerful. And I think you're exactly right. Is that when we don't follow that nudge or we listen to that intuition, we're it's, it's usually we're in a state we're worried about what other people are going to think or that we're not in the status quo or that we're afraid or the fear or whatever it is. I also think that when we don't do that, that the nudge and the voice gets quieter. Mm-hmm. And it, because it's almost like it's like the, if you can think of it from the perspective of the voice, it's like, why am I going to give you some intuition on what to do? You don't listen to me anyways. Right. And then I always say, if you just find one thing to listen to your gut feeling, it's amazing how powerful that, that nudge, it's, like, it's not a nudge, it's like a kick sometimes. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't want to do this. This is not a good fit for me. So that is such a powerful tool to use. And obviously something that you're quite in tune and tapped into, which I love. Mm-hmm. Love it. So you were, I mean, you talk about 12, 13 there, feeling that entrepreneur push. And then all of a sudden we hit 16. And what's life like for you at 16? So um, I went to university at an earlier age than most. Um, 16, 17, I left home and I was in University of Ottawa. <laughs> oh, are you serious? 16, yeah. 17? Yeah, I was oh. my first year. Yeah. So okay. um, yeah, I, I think that was kind of like... Uh, just a shock to my system altogether. And for me, it was like, you know, I had the comfort of being home and kind of being that like sacred rebel, which is like what I kind of like to call myself. Um, And then when I got to university, it was like, wow, real life hit. And I realized, I don't think I'm really ready for this right now. Mm -hmm. Um, One, because, you know, the system and the school system and all that just wasn't feeding my creative soul. So there was that. Well, there's, then, there's no room for creative soul. Sorry. to, to exactly. it's, it's not, it's not, it squashes it. Yeah, totally. So it was like, okay, first they're going to put a cap on me. Second, mm-hmm. I was probably way too young to start. And, um, third, I was leaning on whoever I was dating at the time. It was like, I was leaning on them for support, which was totally the wrong thing to do, but I was like young and trying to figure <laughs> out my life. Um, yeah. And so the only thing that I felt like I could control was literally how much or how little I could eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that manifested physically. So I like tried to hide myself and growing, you know, growing up kind of through this traumatic experience and the way that came out was through an eating disorder. Um, and it was the only thing that I felt like I could really control because first of all, it was like, you know, my free spirited soul was basically told that it was wrong and not accepted where I was in, you know, a university. And I didn't feel the comfort of being at home. And I just was like, I'm going to try and hide. Like, I just want to hide. So Mm -hmm. I went from 
literally, you know, a normal functioning human being to completely sick, like 90 pounds, almost dying Mm -hmm. and coming back home for my first year. And I remember my mom took one look at me and she said, holy shit, you look like death. We need to take you to the hospital. And like, that was like the first, yeah, I just came home like this. Yeah. This like scrawny little kid, completely fragile, totally like lost and depleted from everything that happened. Um, so that was like my catalyst. That was like my turning point. But, you know, even before that, um, since as long as I can remember, I, you know, I felt everything so deeply and that was, Mm -hmm. you know, my gift, but growing up, I thought it was kind of a curse, but I didn't, I didn't nudge, like I didn't silence it. I always listened to it. And so like even going through churches or even passing by cemeteries, like all of that, I felt everything so deeply mm-hmm. and I never understood what it was. I didn't understand what the fuck it meant. Sorry. Oh, you're good. No, no, you're <laughs> totally good. Trust me. You're right in good company. Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't know what it meant. And so really coming home and kind of reflecting at 16 and 17, um, my whole journey and why I'm here and where this got me like how did I get here mm-hmm. um that was a huge place for me and I denied it for so long I denied that I really needed quote-unquote help for probably about a year you know my parents pulled me out of school to get better and um I denied it I was like no I'm fine I'm fine like I can do this I can push through it and then when I finally accepted it myself and I went to go see the woman I talked to you about the, with the book Desperately mm-hmm. Seeking Self um that was the beginning of my journey. And I call it the journey back home to myself because I lost myself in the process. You know, I really lost who I was. I lost that free spirited soul. I lost all of my kind of passion and purpose and ambition. Um, and really, you know, what life, you know, the gift of life that was trying to come through me, I I lost that. Mm -hmm. And so that was my start of my recovery. And so I went through about a year of seeing this, you know, this counselor. And then that's when I got hooked onto Gabby Bernstein. And I kind of just absorbed myself and like sunk my teeth into every kind of personal development and self-help thing you could think of. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember my dad sent me on a plane to Chicago to go to a Tony Robbins event, his um, Unleash the Power Within. Yeah. Like it was just a few been. Um, so I took, so uh, roughly. Seven, roughly 17, 18 was when he just sent me on a plane and was like, you need to go. And so I went to Tony Robbins by myself and like just stayed in a hotel by myself three days. Yeah. Everything happened young, very young. So, but this is interesting too, because like what an insight from your dad's perspective. Cause I mean, there's a lot of parents out here are going to go, who's Tony Robbins? <laughs> Do you know who that is? So that's a, that's a very, like, that's such an, it's a, it's just, it's interesting how many, when you look at it, how many things and factors played into your scenario that, you know, help maybe helped you to bring yourself back to that forefront in order to create the change that you wanted. Totally. So, and, you know, good point on that because, you know, I I do believe, you know, you have all of these mentors and people and beautiful beings that come into your life to support you in whatever capacity they are. And I can honestly say that like, I have been blessed beyond belief with my parents because since day one, they've been so supportive and really, even if they didn't understand it in the moment, they've been really, you know, they listen to me and they're like, okay, like you need help. You want to do this. You want to, you know, follow your dreams. And my mom, you know, she was the one who introduced me to the, 
the, uh, the counselor for my eating disorder. My dad was the one who said, Hey, go to Tony Robbins. And it was because of their divorce. So when I was in grade two, they got divorced. It was because of their divorce. That was their catalyst to go down their own healing and journey. Oh, wow. And so, and it was like through my life, they kind of, they saw the deeper perspective and, Mm. you know, I mean, I love them both to death and it's kind of like, they were the conscious parents without realizing that they were the conscious parents. I don't think like, I don't know if I don't even know your parents, but I almost have to say in that era, in that time, like conscious parenting is something we see a lot of now. Like there's a yeah. lot of books. There's a lot of courses. There's a lot of, even when my kids, cause my kids are in their young twenties, conscious parenting was like, what's that? That's yeah. just not yeah. even. So for you, that's even more profound. I think for your parents at that stage, that's amazing. Totally. Yeah. So I think, you know, and which also for me, it kind of confirms I'm like, oh, okay. Like the purpose that is like burning that burning desire within me is real, right? Mm-hmm. Like I have, I was gifted with two parents that really support that and believe me doing that, you know? Yeah. Um, I, it's so if you look back and I want to ask this question because I have a feeling I have a few people that I know who crossed my path, who've dealt with kids and teens and eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Was there a, if I can ask you, was there a point where you could look at it? Like your parents really stepped in to help you to see something different, to look at different options, but you also had to be on board to create change. So can I just, I really want to talk on this because there are for two reasons. There are some that believe that it's a parent's job to fix the kids, regardless mm-hmm. of where they are at their stage. I think that you can create a stage where there's like open openness as to what's possible, but we can't make them, right? Mm-hmm. We can't make them do things. And how do you support your kids to create change when they are in a very destructive path that could effectively take their life? Like it really mm-hmm. could effectively take their life. So I don't know if you, if there's a question wrapped up in there, but if there's a way that you have any reflection or thoughts on that, I think it would really speak to some parents out there who could be in this situation. Totally. So um, it was not all sunshine and roses. <laughs> I can tell you that. Clarifying. No, thank you. Because yeah. I, I knew it wasn't. But yeah. there's going to be people out here. And this is the thing, because they look at your case, they think it's straightforward. They're listening to it and going, crap, what am I doing wrong? It's like, mm-hmm. what am I doing wrong? Mm-hmm. And it's not like that. It's not like that. So sorry, go ahead. No, to- that's totally okay. Um, yeah, bang on. Like you, you nailed it. It's It was not all sunshine and roses. And I can tell you, you know, my, both my parents for the first year of like me admitting that, okay, I need to go see someone. And then also me admitting that I have, you know, an eating disorder and I really should get help. And then kind of following through and really trusting someone to guide me there. And also (laughs) truthfully trusting my parents that, okay, yeah, you guys are right. I should probably listen to you. (laughs) Um, and getting through that place that year was, that was like hell and back for, and I know I can honestly say for my mom, because she, of course, she's seeing her kid like deteriorate before her eyes. Yeah. Um, so on one level, she's just scared shitless because she's like, she Fuck, I might lose my kid. Right. Yeah. yeah of course. And she then on the other spectrum, she's like, okay, I need to do everything I can to help her. And also know that it's not her responsibility to, like you said, to save me. So, you, you know, she's juggling all three of these things. It's like internal battle. Um, And I know that year was not easy. And, you know, for all the parents listening, yes, you can do everything you can to support your kid. But at the end of the day is they got to want it. And they really got, it's got to come from a place within them. And, you know, if let's say, 
you know, God forbid, let's say I didn't take their advice or I didn't really admit to myself, okay, I needed help. Like, I don't even know if I'd still be here today. Or even if I was, I don't even know if I'd be talking to them because on some level, I really had to come and like humble myself and understand, wow, like, first of all, I have two beautiful parents who are just coming from their heart, genuinely trying to help me. Mm -hmm. And it's me and my own pride and my own resistance getting in the way. Of course. And I had to take ownership of that. I had to take responsibility for that. And I know it kind of sounds cliche and like the normal thing to say. Um, but it's so true. Like when you're in the midst of it, like I battled my mom so hard for a year and I was just like, no, like I'm fine, but I would be, you know, super angry. And then I'd be super like spazzing at her. And then I just wouldn't talk to her. (laughs) And when all she was trying to do was help. So you know, we did go through a lot and I know I just probably scared my dad shitless for a lot of it. Oh, it's scary for a parent when you're watching something you have no control over. It is, it's unbelievable. And then as other people around you are criticizing you for what's going on, they're like, you know, fix this, do this. And it's like, you're trying everything you can to fix them, but you're being completely isolated or ridiculed over here because no one knows what to do. Right. Everybody, everybody falls. We're stuck in something. We all fall back into what we know. And that doesn't mean it's right. It's just Mm -hmm. what we know. It's, and for some of us, that's maybe that's how we were raised, whatever that is. But I just really, I appreciate you doing and, and just touching on that because I do know, I do know offhand, there are a few parents who will be listening and going, great. It was that easy for you. And I know Mm -hmm. it wasn't. I know it wasn't. No. Yeah, it was, it was tough. It was definitely tough. And even to this day, like there's, there's still healing to this day that, you know, like me and my mom, me and my dad, we have very beautiful relationships, but there's still healing to this day that we, you know, we work through and we talk together and we're very open with each other about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And like some of the stuff between me and my mom, it's gone to the point where we kind of just laugh about it. We're like, yeah, I know. Remember when I almost drove you nuts and like, (laughs) just crazy. Right. (laughs) But it's not sunshine and roses. And I don't want anyone to think that it is because it takes work and it takes work from both people, you know, and willing. You have to be willing. Totally. You have to be willing. And I appreciate you touching on that. Now I'm also going to say then that even as a young teen, going through this and you receiving and taking that support from your parents and then committing to doing the work is probably a big key reason why you can coach and speak and be an impactor because you went through the process of receiving the help, doing the work, showing up and allowing that transformation to take place. Right? So in, it's not an age thing. It's like, what have you lived in this time that has, made you who you are. And I just think that process has allowed you to become such a powerful coach and impactor for people. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it has been, I mean, mm-hmm. truthfully, I really didn't start like, I mean, taking people's lives and guiding them through their traumas and their wounds is a big task, right? Big and job. It's a big yeah. job. Yeah. And so Truthfully, I only really stepped into it about like 25 years old and like 25, 26, 27, 28, like these last three years, three years, Mm -hmm. um, because I was going through my process still, you know, like I started doing the eating disorder counseling and then I went into, okay, I'm going to be a yoga teacher and then, you know, healing. And then I did all the energy healing work. And then I just went through every level of personal development you could think of. So it was like, I was very much just involved in my own journey. And if I didn't feel fully clear and grounded and like really know who I was, there'd be no way that I could stand here and support other people through it. No, not at all. And I think it's so important too, to touch that you, like we have to do that work first 
And for somebody looking from the outside, it's like they look at you now, but you're like, you didn't, you didn't see me for that eight years that I was doing all of the other work. That's one of the biggest things I say all the time. I'm like, yeah, you, it might look brave that I share my story, but that's been like the last three to five years. You didn't see the, the six before that where I was invisible online. No one saw me anywhere. No totally. one saw me. So you have to do that work first. And a lot of times that's done in complete privacy. That's just you doing the work on yourself. Totally. It's just this never ending, relentless, unwavering commitment. And I, and I know that, you know, that's kind of like that ambitious soul within me is like, I have that. I know that I can be very determined and I move quickly. So, you know, when I want to do something, I'm going to do it like come hell or high water. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do it. Oh, so, um, and even now, like being an entrepreneur is no easy task. Like I oh. can tell you, you know, it's, eight out of the seven days a week, I have a pit in my stomach trying to figure out what the heck's going on. <laughs> there are some days I'm like, I really, no offense, I can just go work at Starbucks. I can, I don't think I can work at Starbucks. Who am I kidding? I can never yeah. keep up with it there. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I could find some, there are times I'm like, why am I doing this? This is so yeah. much work. Yeah. But then I also know I have to have purpose with what I do. Totally. There has to be purpose. I can't just punch clocks. It's not for me. Yeah. And there's no offense to anybody listening. It's just not how my brain works. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And yeah. Be, and you, cause you know yourself, right? So you follow that. You just know that I need to show up and I need to do this. And I know that this is the most rewarding and this is me. This is my passion coming through. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So you don't do, I mean, this is where, of course we took all of what, about 30 seconds to connect where I was like, Oh my gosh, I want to <laughs> learn more about what you do. Because the reason is, and people who know me are going to laugh. So Kira is not just a coach, right? She runs these retreats and she just plops out that, oh, it's in Kauai, Hawaii, in Kauai, in Hawaii. And I'm like, um, excuse me, like, how do I go? Like, yeah. who are you? Yeah. right? Like it's literally how fast it was because I, I was in Hawaii in 2018 and I will say that was one of the most beautiful spiritual places I have ever, ever been. So you don't just do coaching right? Mm -hmm. You do, you do so much more than that. So tell us about your events and what you offer and what you do with them. Totally. Um, so my main thing is I connect with, you know, heart centered leaders, entrepreneurs, and then in essence, brave souls, you know, like that was who I was, that's who I am. And those are my people. So the people who really in a nutshell, they're, they're craving more, they know there's more in this life. They know that they have more to offer and they're searching for that. Mm -hmm. Um, and they continue to follow that. So I really, I attract those type of people, um, into my community. And I did, I did the one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, I've done, you know, group coaching, but I knew that people, what they really desired was someone's presence was someone's touch was someone's physical humanness right in front of them. And, you know, we can do all of the inner work on ourselves. We can do all of the spiritual work on ourselves. We can do all of that within our own little bubble, within our own little cocoon and kind of call it a day. Um, but I was like, no, like we're missing more than half of why we're here. Like we need to be doing it together in community, in connection, in relation to one another. Like we're relational beings. The meat of our work comes in relationships, whether it's an intimate relationship or a friendship or a business partner. And, you know, one thing that was really apparent was when I did one-on-one -on -one coaching or when I did healing sessions, people would always comment on the fact that, you know, they felt super safe in my presence and that, in person is so different with me than being, you know, on a zoom call or whatever it may be. 
And so it wasn't until my last, like my last client, mm-hmm. my last one-on-one client that I had, um, she basically was like, your coaching program needs to be in an accelerated immersion, like a three-day immersion. Like mm-hmm. it's not about teaching people. It's about you really being the mirror and reflecting back to people what is already inside of them, what they already know, what they already desire, and just being that leader. Mm-hmm. So not only do we do, you know, crazy and beautiful transformational activities and experiences and connecting to one another and ourselves through the three days, but um, we, it's, it's almost like people see themselves in each other. Like we see ourselves in the family that we've created. And even to this day, I did one in October of 2019. And to this day, the group of, you know, the family that we created are doing homecoming reunions together, like all over the world. Um, So that's, you know, that's the container. I'm not sitting there preaching to you for three days about, you know, X, Y, Z, and we're writing notes, right? Yeah. It's like a very um, experiential immersion. And my whole premise on that is, I know you desire more. I know you desire connection. And we're going to take both of those and you're going to meet yourself. You're going to really connect to yourself. You're going to connect to others. And it's honestly kind of like my own catalyst, my book, Desperately Seeking Self. It's like at the end of the day, humanity is craving themselves. And there's no better way to do that than in front of other people, right? It, that's what Brene Brown always talks about. I mean, I'm a, I love Brene Brown. And she talks about it's just that we really, at the core of our nature, we want to belong. Totally. Not to belong and connect to others. And the problem is, is that when we are, when life is the most challenging for us is when we retreat from the world. Yeah. So we make ourselves feel more alone. We just don't realize we are the ones making ourselves feel that way. And yeah. by putting them in this, like people in this kind of immersion, I think it's just beautiful because people realize they're not alone. Like we are so much more alike than different. We mm-hmm. really are. Mm-hmm. Totally. And it's beautiful. It's, it's really, it's such like, I just, I get, I'm getting goosebumps even talking about it. Like, it's just such a beautiful experience to witness people actually feel seen and feel heard and feel safe to be themselves. I mean, the first day of like complete strangers from all over the world, I brought them through this really powerful connection exercise. And with an hour of meeting each other, everyone was cracked open, like bawling tears in their eyes and just completely open and surrendered to everyone. And I'm like, amazing. holy shit, like this is what humanity wants. Like this is what we want as human beings, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and Hawaii is powerful in and of itself. Like it's such a powerful Island. So it was my home for three consecutive years. And I was like, I just need to bring people back there. <laughs> I, can't. I can't, you've got me on that one. I'm like, I can't, how do I make that my home for three years? Because <laughs> I can't, as I look out my window, I mean, it's not snowing today, but there's a lot of snow out there. And it's just, there's just something about Hawaii that is just, it's very beautiful too. Like it's such a beautiful, beautiful area with the colors and the water and the trees, right? It's just, yeah, yeah stunning. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's my, you know, one of my main driving forces or values of being in this space and allowing myself to create my empire, like we talked about at the beginning, was I, the free soul, you know, I've lived around the world and I needed to really honor that within me and I needed to continue that. And, you know, everyone kind of (laughs) puts me in the box of like, yeah, you're just like the traveling gypsy, like you just travel everywhere. And which I'm okay with because it's true. Like that's part of who I am. And for me to be like, no, I'm going to sit in one place for 12 months of the year would totally be dishonoring who I am. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so that's why I do international retreats. 
I just love, I love everything about that. And I think the more that you do that, because that's who you are, mm-hmm. it feeds your soul, which allows you to be the best that you can be with your clients to have their best experience. Like we, like always going back to, again, like who do you have to take care of the most? Absolutely. Us. It's always us. You have to, we have to take, make ourselves the top priority yeah. but that allows you to do that. So that's the one retreat and that is in October. Yeah. So so the Hawaii one is October. So it's October 20th to 22nd. So just after Canadian Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I do have one in Canada in June. It's about 45 minutes outside of Banff on like a million acres. (laughs) It's like gorgeous ranch house. It's stunning. Um, And that's June 6th to 8th. Okay. Um, so yeah, those are my two. So that's my two signature ones this year. Mm-hmm. And I'll be doing a couple other like little retreats, collaborating with some other people, but like my full realm and experience of me and my work are at in June and in October. That's so awesome. So I will make sure that all that information is in there too, because I just, I love what you're doing and I think it's amazing. I, I do want to touch. I saw that you have a signature men's course too. I do. Yes, I do. So to to mention that because that's like, it's very unique. Absolutely. So that was kind of like the whole, you know, me being the rebel and like doing things that people aren't. Um, So last year I really had, there was just like, I don't know, this like realization. It was actually after I came back from Hawaii um, that, you know, the men can do, I know that on the, on the planet right now, there's a lot of sisterhood and brotherhood communities, right? Like yes. the sisters are helping the sisters and the brothers are helping the brothers. Yeah. It's great. Mm-hmm. But again, we're missing more than 50% of why we're here. Like the relational aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about intimate relationships. Like I'm just, no. like we need that yeah. to be able to feel safe. And it actually happened after the Me Too movement because, you know, all the women came out and then the men got triggered. And then instead of going into unity and trying to figure it out, it was like, we went into more separation. Mm-hmm. And that really bothered me like a lot. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. I actually am so glad you said that because I actually, I, I struggled through, I could, oh, I could do a whole podcast and I won't do it, but they on uh, through, I struggled personally as a female through some of the Me Too movement. I really did. And the outcome that happened and how it was like painted very black and white and I, I didn't like it. So yeah, sorry, go ahead. Totally. No. And I am right there with you. I, I definitely struggled with that as well. Like, Yes, I'm sure, you know, and I'm not discounting what the females were, were feeling. And then I'm also not discounting what the males were feeling. Like yeah. we've, we've done it to each other. And I don't think pointing fingers is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I struggled with that. And because of that, and then I had, it was ironic, but not ironic. Um, a lot of males reach out to me just because they're like, I feel like I can talk to you about this because I'm triggered by what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I know that you'll just talk to me about it. And I'm like, okay. So we had conversations and I just literally saw this need that, wow, the men need a safe space to basically be heard with the feminine. And it's bigger than just, you know, one male and one female talking to each other. We need to rewrite this whole story in humanity. Yeah. And nobody's really doing this right now. Like nobody's taking the men through a, a safe container for them to actually feel what they're feeling, tell them that it's okay and know that they're not alone in this. Right. And so I kind of <laughs> put myself out there and my heart on the line. And I was like, I'm, I'm ready to work with men. Like I'm ready to allow you guys to actually feel safe to be all that you can be not put on this macho mask. And just because you're triggered by all this doesn't mean that you're, it's wrong. You know, like it's, it's very valid that you're feeling triggered by all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so yeah, that was, I got beautiful feedback from that. It was great. I haven't relaunched it yet, but I'm thinking about it because it keeps coming up again. Um, and it was a really profound experience and that was, you know, doing all of that. I went to Hawaii, had my, um, my homecoming event last year and literally I kid you not, it was 50, 50 male to female. Like, and I didn't even plan it. Didn't even ask for it. But just because like, if you give people the opportunity to be like, I don't care if you're male or female, I just want you to come as you are and feel safe to be who you are. Mm -hmm. They'll, they'll show up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're really like anybody who's willing to be open to do the work, like who's willing to show up and be open Mm -hmm. and do the work. And I really feel as twofold, I can see, you know, of the challenges that we've come through in the early years, it was easy for me to find places to do work on myself. There were conferences, there was coaches, there was programs. It really like it. I mean, I didn't have to look hard Mm -hmm. to find something for me to jump into as a female there wasn't a lot of, and it, there wasn't a lot of talk at that time about men doing that kind of work. And it wasn't seen that way. And then I think it was about two years ago, maybe three years ago when I went to see, I think went to a conference in LA and Lewis House spoke at it and he spoke about, you know, this is beautiful that we have 500 women in the room, but what's missing is like, can you please as 500 women, some of you are men, moms of boys, can you please encourage like make room for these boys to have room to grow, to be, to learn, to expand, to do these things too, because we are missing the mark with some boys right now. There's just no room for them to experience this and grow. So I love that you're, that you did that and that you really kind of draw attention to that and that your, your events are open to both men and women. Totally. Yeah. Like literally everything is, unless I'm doing like a, a specific feminine course, everything has just been like, it's men and women. Like I don't see like the way that we're delivering it and the way that, you know, we're working through it and the actual result and the outcome that we desire, it's all the same, like mm. <laughs> whether you're a male or a female. So I never really, I, I want to say I never really bought into the separation. It was like, no, like I'm, it's, it's all or none <laughs> and that's okay. the way it's going to be. So, that's um, awesome. yeah. That's so awesome. Where can people find you to connect with you? Where do you hang out the most or where can they find more about your retreats? Uh, so Instagram is my absolute jam. Instagram stories. I adore. Um, I love creating. It's kind of like my little creative outlet. So Instagram is definitely the best place to find me. Um, I am on Facebook too. I'll connect with you there, but Instagram is like my little virtual I've home. Seen your stories, it's like, geez, girl, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's like my little creative outlet. So I love doing that. Um, so Instagram is my jam, and then my homecoming events. So if you go to Kira Noel Homecoming not com, but co, um, has all the information about the events. You can buy the tickets right online. If you want to know more about homecoming, um, there's a link to book a call with me and we can just jump on a call and have like a 15, 20 minute session together and get you on board. Awesome. Awesome. I will make sure all of that is in there because I think it's just, I'm looking at it and I'm like, it's something I still have on my radar. Yeah. I'm still planting the seeds and watering them with you. Oh, I know you are. Trust me. I know you are. Every time you throw up a picture of Hawaii, I'm like, damn it, girl. Like I just, you're killing me. You're killing me. Yeah. It's going to be there. Um, question two questions for you that I really want to dive into just to wrap this up mm-hmm. is what impact do you want to create in this world like what is what is the signature impact that you want to create and leave with the world 
Um, I really want to connect with the hearts of humanity. So I want people to connect to their heart. I want people to live out their dreams. I want people to realize that the legacy they want to live and leave is real and true and to just follow that. Mm, I love that. I love that. And the last question, what lesson in life are you the most grateful for? Ooh, Ooh, I love Um, it when I do that. (laughs) Uh, That's a good one. What lesson in life am I most grateful for? I mean, it's, it's probably the most simple one, but honestly is to just believe in you. Cause if I did not continue to believe in myself every single day, like I would not be here and I would not continue to create this empire and desire to leave a legacy on the world or in the world. Yeah. If you didn't, I mean, it certainly is. It comes down to that belief in yourself. And the more you surround yourself with people who feed that mm-hmm. and support that, the easier it gets to be right. The easier it gets to be. Yeah. You realize that you have a huge mission and a huge impact. And I just, I love how you've stepped into it. So I'm so grateful for thank this you. time with you today. So thank you so much for being here today, Kira. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And I'm, I know this chat was long overdue, but I'm so glad we had it. And I know there'll be many more to come. Lots of I, there, will definitely, sure. there will definitely be many more to come. I love how we connected in that coffee shop. Took 30 seconds. I'm like, hey, we need to do a podcast. <laughs> hey, we need to talk. Let's talk. We need to talk. Let's talk. Yeah. See, people are everywhere. I say this all the time. Like this is, I think this is another great example is that we actually were in the same, like I call Facebook group, same program mm-hmm. for, I don't know, Many months. A couple months. Like a few months, right? Yeah. A few months. And there was no, like I hadn't really connected. There'd been no real connection. And that's the thing is, is that sometimes that's a start. But then all of a sudden you get in person and you connect with someone and you're like, hey, like this is just a, so this is the thing. There are wonderful, beautiful people everywhere. Sometimes you have to put yourself a little bit outside your comfort zone to meet them. And then all of a sudden you meet them and you're like, oh my gosh, this wasn't even hurt at all. Why did I, why did I wait for this? Right? Totally. Yeah, totally. Community is everything. Tribe is everything. And that's the big, you know, nugget in homecoming is like, just meet your tribe, like come and connect. Well, and we're not meant to do this alone. Like I said, I, I, we are not meant to do life alone. I know it might feel like it if you were listening to this, but I'm telling you, we're not meant to do life alone. We're just Mm -hmm. not. So I, on that note. Amen, sister. (laughs) Amen. On that note, thank you so much for being here. Have an incredible day. Thank you. Love you too. I really (laughs) appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.